Ricochet. Oh, brother. Three and two to Mookie Wilson. Little roller up along first. Behind the bag. It gets through Buckner. Here comes Knight, and the Mets win it. Lynch is staring in, has his sign. A 2-1 pitch. And a drive in the air to deep right field. That ball headed toward the wall. That ball is out of here. Out of here. A game-winning grand slam home run off the bat of Robin Ventura. Ventura with a grand slam. They're mobbing him before he can get to second base. The Mets have won the ball game. Ventura. Lopez wants it away. And it's hit deep to left center. Andrew Jones on the run. This one has a chance. Home run. Piazza and the Mets lead three to two. How is New York going to get out of this guy? Their captain, David Wright. He's had the bad back. He's got spinal stenosis. Played less than 40 games in the regular season. It's a cold night. be a problem on and off the rest of the season. Mm. Turner drives one to center chasing Nimmo back to the warning track right at the fence. He made the catch. Oh wow. The catch of the year for Brandon Nimmo. He took a home run away from Justin Turner. Wow. Ladies and gentlemen. May I have your attention please. The show. And welcome to episode number two of the Shay Hello podcast. I am Casey Lynn, the founder and president of Shay Hello Media. And I am welcomed by my co-host here for episode number two, former Met, Bill Pulsifer. How you doing, Bill? I'm good, Casey. How about yourself? I'm doing okay as well. Um, good. So in our first episode, uh, I touched upon a lot of things uh, in Mets land, kind of overview of Shea Hello. Um, hopefully people that are listening now tuned into episode one. And here they are watching us and uh, on YouTube and on wherever they might be listening on Spotify or wherever they get their podcasts. But uh, episode one was a rundown of Shea Hello Media and also what in the world is going on in Mets land. So uh, we have Bill Pulsifer, the co-host of Shea Hello, the Shea Hello podcast. So uh, we'll go right into it, if you don't mind, Bill. Uh, Let's do it. Let's do it. Just going to. Sounds sounds good to me. So I talked about uh, in episode one, and I'd like to get your thoughts and opinions about this. We'll start off with how in the world did the Mets get to this point? A favorite to win the World Series in the beginning of the year to, you know, 11, 10 games under 500 to sellers. Uh, well, obviously things uh, have not gone uh, gone according to plan. Um, starting from the very beginning, you know, spring training, losing, uh, losing Diaz right away before they even, 
even played a game or threw a pitch or anything like that was a, was a devastating blow to the, to the team. It moves everybody up or back, however you want to look at it in the, in the bullpen. And then um, obviously a free agent signing in Quintana being injured right away, um, not being ready to, or able to, to perform right away. That's one of your starting pitchers you were counting on. Verlander, obviously coming out of spring training, injured as well. There's another injury. Um, just there's been a multitude of things for them to get to this point. And in the saying favorite for the World Series, that's easy to say. I mean, that's that's much a lot harder to do, obviously. But I know there was a lot of um, optimism this year for the ball club. And uh, just things did not go um go according to plan. I mean, if you look at my Twitter at, at night, like I know some people do, uh, the blue jerseys might have something to do with it. I don't know why they're wearing those, but, uh, um, you're all about those blue jerseys. Yeah. Well, I'm all about not them actually, to be honest with you. And they wore them again last no, well, night. Well, that's, uh, that's what I meant. Yeah, I don't, yeah. No, I know what you meant. I know what you meant, but, um, yeah. I don't know. There's a multitude of things, obviously injuries and then lack of performance. Um, I think, I think there's a lot of guys that care on that roster. Uh, you know, you look at McNeil and Lindor and uh, uh, Alonzo and those guys, I think they care an awful lot and they want to win and they want to get it done. So the, the amount of pressure that they put on themselves has probably hurt their performance a little bit this year as well, feeling like they had to, to make up for some of the injuries and make up for, for uh, just a multitude of things. And it just has not gone according to plan at all. Yeah, I mean, highest payroll ever in Major League Baseball history. But as we've seen, it doesn't mean jack crap. You know, yeah, well, you got to play the games. Yeah, and, the game's not play, the game's not played by money. The game's not played by by paychecks, or it's paid by the it's played by the people that are out there. And this goes through. You know, I follow uh, football, yeah. soccer a lot, quite a bit. And you know, you have teams like Manchester United who spend a, you know all kinds of money, and they haven't won an EPL championship in years. So it's not necessarily the amount of money. Right that you throw out there, but obviously for the fans uh, and then the, uh, the expectations, uh, they rise with the more money that you do spend on your ball club. Uh, obviously I think, but I said, you know, losing Diaz at the beginning of the year is tough. Uh, Verland Verlander came around before he got traded. I don't think he was healthy when he, when he first came out there and struggled and had a hard time getting through five innings and seemed like he had a hard time getting his arm loose. He was giving up so many runs early in games. Um, and then just lack of underperformance at the, with the bats, man. I mean, these 220 batting averages and that. I, I, I know people will try to tell you the batting average doesn't matter, but I don't believe that for a minute because hitting is contagious. And the more people you put on base, the more pressure you put on base uh, pitchers. Uh, the all-or-nothing approach is not a good approach as a former pitcher because it makes it much more difficult when you're pitching with traffic on base on a regular basis, runners on first, runners on first and second, runners on first and third. Um, I think that, you know, I don't know if the approach has changed. I don't know if just the amount of pressure the guys have put on themselves, but guys that need to be 265 to 285 hitters hitting in the 220s, is, it's not a recipe for success. Pit of my stomach feel uh, that everything just kind of, <laughs> was gonna be it was gonna be a one of those seasons i never thought it'd be a, a season like it's turned out to be you know never in my wildest dreams but it's like the energy that he brought and more specifically you know the bullpen you know robertson was gonna be the setup 
up, man. Right. Avino and, and Rayleigh were going to do their seventh and eighth. You know, right. and it's a trickle-down effect. So everybody's job Absolutely. now is, you know, moved up. But the energy that he brought, and I showed this on episode one, the, the you know, here's, here's Edwin. And, you know, they're making bobbleheads with him, you know, and they got the song, you know, the narco Timmy trumpet. You know, yeah. it was it was an event, you know, Absolutely. when he would come out and in the ninth, the, it was electric at City Field and, you know, people are going crazy. And then he would just strike out the side. I mean, in 2022, he had video game numbers. So yeah. I guess my question to you, um, I think it's self-explanatory that the bullpen obviously was affected, but Robertson did a great job for the Mets. And Rayleigh's had a great year, too. Out of Eno's been up and down. The energy before the season with losing Diaz as a former baseball player, and I don't know if you've ever experienced this with, you know, a top superstar on a team, whether it doesn't even matter, big leagues or not. He goes out during before the season. Does that just take out the, a lot of the air in the balloon? Well, I know that everybody likes to say, you know, next man up. And that is definitely the case next man up because the games are still going to be played and you got to go out there, but he is obviously an integral part to the ball club and to the organization. And from the woes that he kind of went through when he first came over to what he ended up turning into who he really is uh, last year, obviously a lot of, a lot of hope and expectations for, for knowing that if we get to the, the ninth inning or, you know, the back part of the eighth inning, with the lead, there's a real good chance we're going to win a ball game. Um, I think it may put a little bit more pressure on the bats, feeling like they have to score more runs to uh, to maybe not be in as many safe situations. I mean, I wouldn't think that it's something that presses on the players' minds all that much uh, outwardly, but maybe inwardly they kind of feel you know that need to score a little, a few more runs, and then obviously the trickle down effect to the bullpen because you have things kind of set up, and that's just the way bullpens work nowadays is these are your innings, these are the, his innings, that's his inning, that it just um, it does make it that much more difficult. Uh, obviously, the starting pitchers struggling uh, at times this season to get through five innings into the sixth and seventh inning yeah. makes it even that much more difficult for the bullpen when you're missing one of your main guys because they're having to go out on a more regular basis, you know, many, many too, maybe too many nights in a row or not enough rest in between, so then they're not going to be uh, as successful and as, as healthy and ready as they can possibly be with the uh, with the with the allotted rest that you would hope for them to get. So um, I'm sure it took a lot of a lot out of the guys because you're yeah. talking about the premier closer in the game being out there. You're not talking about okay, we got a you know we got a closer, some guy. He's not just some guy. He's uh, he's obviously somebody that the team relies on, yeah. and like you said, he's going to go out there and and pretty much have a good chance of striking out the side a lot of a lot of the nights it's it puts a lot more pressure on everybody yeah uh, i totally agree with everything you said and you even brought up a great point it not only put more pressure on the bullpen you know losing the best closer in baseball but everybody else was affected because the mindset is we always have this guy you know waiting in the wings and now we don't right. and and it puts maybe subconsciously a little more pressure on the hitters, the starting would, pitchers, middle relievers. So I would think so. You know, I don't think it was a big deal. Maybe <laughs> I don't think they would say that outwardly or right. anything, but I think that maybe subconsciously that that little bit of knowing, man, is a two run lead might not be that safe or a three run lead. You know, we're not quite safe. 
let alone just knowing right. that with the one run lead, we had a really good shot every night that maybe just that much more pressure. And like I said before, these guys care, they care a lot, you know, and they, we, we like to bag on them as fans and that, but I don't think it's due to lack of effort or lack of lack of wanting or, or lack of caring. Um, I think they care a lot. I think that uh, they put a lot of pressure on themselves and then a lot of pressure was put on the organization with uh, Mr. Cohen coming over and spending a lot of money and saying, we're going to be, you know, looking for a world world series in three years. That's really easy stuff to say, man. It's really hard stuff to do. He get, he, uh, you know, uh, he gambled, you know, paying aging veteran pitchers who are first ballot hall of famers. No question about that, but older and, you know, uh, he the, the gamble didn't really pay off, you know. Scherzer's overall numbers they were good. I touched upon this, uh, you know, in episode one, but under the bright lights, he did, did not pitch well. Atlanta, he definitely last his... year to Clint. Uh, so yeah, I, I would have, I would have liked uh, the... your thoughts on Verlander. Okay, I would, uh, I, I believe that it, he was not healthy when he first came back pitching it in the major leagues this year, uh, probably rushed back a little bit too soon. Wasn't quite healthy, uh, rounded into form and was showing you that even at 40 years old, he still has the ability to, uh, to pitch at a top, top level in the major leagues. And look, man, that could happen. It could be next, next off season into next year where it goes away. It could be three years from now. Who knows? Uh, because it's baseball is a strange game where one year you could be, oh, he's still got it. And then within a four month period, five month period, going back to spring training, you just don't have it anymore. And I do think he still has it. I kind of do wish they would have kept him around, uh, especially if you're going to be trying to kind of rebuild um, your rotation, uh, at least to have his experience and his knowledge around, I think would have been a good thing. Um not sure why they did trade him. Not sure why they trade anybody because that's yeah. not you know that's not my business. But uh, I, he's the one that I felt like I would have liked to have <laughs> kept him around. Um, not that I wanted to see Max leave either, but um, it's it's going to be tough. You know yeah, they got to well, they got to replace they got to replace. We some, all know what happened. Starting pitching. Verlander to me it was not only was he pitching well when he got traded, it. <clears throat> was the fact that they say that they're going to contend next year. It just won't be, you know, like we're used to. There's no way in hell Steve Cohen is not going to build at least a competitive team. My motto has always been, even last year, this year, but get in to the dance, six spots, and then I'll get in, be hot, be healthy. It's not that hard. Yeah. And especially with Cohen's think... capital, it shouldn't be. I think he's still going to try. It was this very year, <laughs> but yeah. Um, I think he'll definitely try his best to, to put the, the best ball club out there that he possibly can. I think that having Quintana all year long, he's a very solid pitcher. I don't know how many people know much about him, but I've had a chance to watch him pitch over the years. He's a solid pitcher, very good pitcher. Hopefully he can help somebody like Peterson yeah. uh, as a for, as a fellow lefty. Um, you would hope that having uh, um, Verlander around would have been able to help McGill out a little bit. Um but now, you know, hey, you're back to uh, building building blocks again, and um, hopefully they can uh, score a, a solid another solid starting pitcher out there, if not two of them, and, and, and see what you know see what happens.
Well, to put a bow on Verlander, I just not so much that he started the pitch very well. He needed time with the arm injury. And then, you know, he went back into the more Verlander that we know. And then obviously he was traded. I agree with you 100%. It's more for the veteran presence that he brought. Now, as constructed in 2023, the Mets don't have that quote-unquote veteran guy. So that's my biggest gripe. Um, So putting that aside, here's my take on on the deadline. And I want to get your take on it as well. The Mets didn't necessarily have to sell. They could have stood pat, maybe upgraded a bullpen arm or two. And I always said during this year, if they were five games behind of the last wild card spot, come to trade the deadline, you're still in it with, you know, 60 plus games to go or whatever it was. But Steve Cohen saw it the other way. And he said, we're not going to win a world series this year. We have no farm system. And, you know, he did what he did. I give a lot of credit to Steve Cohen for doing it. I'm sure he didn't want to do it with all the money that a he spends and b he's eating. He's paying ninety million dollars alone yeah. in dead money for Scherzer and Verlander to pitch for another team, but <laughs> they restocked their farm system in five days. They went from yes. bottom five to top ten. They got very good players back for all their trades. So I just wanted to get your take um, on you know his decision to do that. You can't be half pregnant. You know, either all in, all out, or play it out. And a lot of fan bases are upset about teams that just stood pat. Yankees are saying fire Cashman. You know, Padres didn't do anything. Boston didn't do anything. Fans are not happy. At least the Mets have made a decision, implemented it, and have a future and a plan. So I just wanted to get your thoughts on, you know, Cohen's decision and, and everything like that. Yeah, I think that uh, it's definitely not what us as Mets fans um, were, were hoping for to dismantle the team like this. But um, if and I, I do recall early in the year Cohen talking about the, the lack of depth in the minor league system and wanting to develop guys. Uh, so obviously having the more talent you have, the easier it is to develop guys. You know, it's it's you can't develop non-talented players and uh, and talented players can, quote unquote, be so-called developed without even being developed just because they're talented. Um, I think that the, hopefully the return uh, in a couple of years pays off a little bit, a little bit redundant with, with positioning of guys that play positions that are already um, positions that are taken at the big league level. But that doesn't mean that those guys are necessarily going to be there in a couple of years or however long it may be, or that the guys that they got are going to stay in those positions that they're playing right now. But um, I guess we'll use Mauricio uh, as an example. If you're going to be thinking about changing positions, you might want to do it sooner rather than later, uh, because I think that's a big reason why he hasn't been up there here this year is because he plays a certain position that's pretty much been taken and he's shown to struggle a little bit playing in the outfield. But uh, obviously having young talent, uh, you look at the Braves and what they've done uh, with the guys that have came up through their minor league system, um, young talent uh, that you can develop. Obviously, I think it's a little harder to develop talent in New York uh, and and Queens simply because of the expectations. And uh, if you don't do well right away, uh, there's going to be a lot of a lot of grumbling from the fans and, and a lot of stuff like that. But. Uh, to be able to replenish the, the minor league system, if you're going to do it, it would, uh, you know, I guess uh, that's a good way to go about trying to build for the future. 
obviously everybody thought the future was now, um, but maybe you need to take a step back a little bit to, to regroup and hopefully they have scored some, some guys that are going to be able to help the club. And if not help the club within the next year or two, maybe they are a part of a trade in the, in the years coming that can get you big league ready talent or big league yeah. veteran talent uh, in return come another trade deadline or during the season next year. That's my, that's my thoughts on that. Yeah. Uh, like Billy Epler said, uh, it's a little pain for a lot of gain. You know, it's a cliche that he came up with, you know, we got to have go through these, these hard games that we're watching now mm -hmm. um, for hopefully a lot of gain that maybe, right. and as you know, not all prospects turn out the way that they should. And uh, some do, uh, you know, we don't know if Okuna, who the Mets traded for, you know, what Scherzer is going to be anything. Sure, it looks like it. Uh, but they did what they had to do. And, yeah, it's a tough pill to swallow as Mets fans. But on to talking about 2024. Um, I, had, I had a question for you uh, only because it, it made me think. Brett Beatty was just sent down. Yeah. Uh, earlier. Um, Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I understand it. He, he was hitting like a, a buck 20 in his last 40 games and, you know, not hitting well and actually having problems on defense. And, you know, he's one of the baby Mets and he started off well and, you know, he hasn't been doing well and sent back down. Never thought in a million years that would happen to uh, AAA in Syracuse. So talking to you who came that um you know things didn't go well you know obviously your story babies are not identical but if you were in baby's shoes you could talk about yourself as well if it applies to it but how how would you take it if you were brett Beatty, or how did you take it maybe in your career when you know you're this big star you come up third base is yours and in your first rookie season, you don't perform, and the games are meaningless now. Up, you know, in terms of standings in 2023, and now you're sent down to the minors again. And I heard all the quotes. Take a breath, you know. But as a former player who was a highly touted guy like yourself, how would you go about this? Well, I tell you, I'm sure he's not real happy about it. Nobody's ever happy when they get sent down to the minor leagues or released or anything like that. Um, I wonder, because when I watch him play, when he's doing his best at the plate, it's when he's hitting the ball to left center field. I wonder how much he's being talked about hitting the ball over the right field wall, which I don't think is his strength. I think that what's probably from the time he picked up a bat uh, and swung the ball, he naturally could hit the ball well to, to left center field and left field. I know in this day and age of baseball that the, the the pressure about hitting home runs and, and hitting the ball in the air. I saw him, what I saw was I saw him just in the last few games was taking pitches that were out over the plate, uh, taking them where those are the pitches that he wants to be hitting the, the balls that are on the outer half of home plate. I wonder how much has there's been a change in, in philosophy. Maybe, maybe there hasn't, I don't know, but I just know that in the past, uh, even we'll use the the Cardinals as an example. They set down one of their young rookies earlier in the year because he wasn't hitting the ball in the air enough even though he was hitting like 270 something which is 
unheard Jordan of. Jordan Walker. That's that's out of that's that's ridiculous to tell me that a rookie hitting two seventy something is going to get sent down because he's not hitting the ball in the air enough. That's just I don't know. That's I guess that's analytic stuff that's above my baseball knowledge for playing for as long as I did. The guys that didn't play telling you that that was that's good. I, I don't I don't get it. But uh, I do have a gripe with him. With I'd like to see him play a game without gum in his mouth. Maybe try that one time. Maybe <laughs> I know I, I talk about little stupid, simple things like the jerseys and that. But to me, take the gum out of your mouth for okay. a couple of games and see how you play. You know, if you, you have to use brain. I'm using brain power right now to move my mouth in order to, to get these words out. If, if you haven't tried playing without gum, try playing without gum. I didn't see him do that. I saw him with gum in his mouth every single night, struggling. Um, when you're out of it, why are we sending him down? Why not give him a shot to try to work things out? This is what, and I'll use this as an example in my career, is right around the time that well, I got injured. Go ahead. Right around the time that I got injured. Oh, no. Uh, you're, you're, go on. You're, yeah. Yeah. The time, well, right around the time that I got injured, uh, we actually ended up having the second best record in the National League in the second half of 1995 when the team had been struggling and coming out of the quote unquote worst team that money can buy days. And um, then I came back uh, in 97, I missed 97. And that's when I started to have my anxiety and depression issues. But in 98, I came back. And that's right around the time that the Yankees started to win every year. So the thing that's tough about playing in Queens uh, is because you have the guys uh, across town that are expected to win on a yearly basis. The Mets have that same type of pressure to try to win on a yearly basis. That's what to me makes it that much more difficult to develop young talent in Queens because if you do struggle right away, one, you're going to hear it from the fans, and two, you're probably going to get sent down. Where I look across the league and I see some of these numbers going across the guys, you know, the tickers going across the television, and I see a guy who's six and thirteen with a seven point one ERA, and he's starting tonight. Um, that means that this guy's still getting his opportunity. He's probably a young pitcher, and he's getting to work it out. He's getting to work it out in Kansas City or work it out in whatever smaller market team that it is. Unfortunately, in New York, that's not the case. Uh, so Beatty's kind of finding that out right now. You don't get a chance to work things out on a uh, in a big market and on a team that's expected to win. So a little bit of a surprise for him to be sent down now. I would I would expect him to be back up before the seat, the year is over. Maybe it is just to take a little breath, you know, to get away from the spotlight a little bit and then bring him back up here. Yep. Because I think if you, if you look at him for the future, which they definitely are, you got to get him some more at bats back up here because he's definitely questioning himself. We all, we're not, we're human beings as, as major league baseball players, as athletes, we're human beings. We question ourselves. And the more you question yourself, the, the more difficult it becomes. So hopefully it's just a brief stint down there and they get him back up here and try to get him rolling in the right direction, heading into the off season so he can feel good about himself and feel good about himself going into spring training next year. Yeah. Uh, I, I understand kind of why they did it. I, I just sometimes drift off to just let him take his lumps here. You know, I, I know maybe, you know, Brett has been open. We don't know what goes on behind, behind closed doors. So yeah. we'll let that be that. Um, yeah. And like you said, I do expect him to be back up here. I would in, think so. You know, September call-ups and whatnot. Um, I wanted to bring up uh, a question that I am very, or a person that I am very passionate about. Um, I've been open on Twitter um, 
both on Say Hello and my main Twitter about Buck Showalter. Um, and this goes back to even last year when the Mets won 101 games. And that's hard to do um, when they were winning series after series. And it was like Buck could do no wrong because obviously when you're winning, that, <laughs> you know, just takes away everything else. It just hides it right. all. I'm going to keep it brief because I could go on forever and I want to get your take. Um, you know, Buck, for me, and, and you're a former player and you 19 years professionally and you watch this game now intently and, you know, you have a different perspective than any of us. Um, Buck, it starts from the top and I just, there is no fire from Buck. And I'm not saying that a manager, you have to have fire like a Brett Boone, you know, who's, it seems like Brett Boone is getting ejected with the Yankees every day and putting on a, a, a show and dance. But I'm not talking down on Buck because of how bad the Mets are doing this year. I was doing it last year. The Mets set the MLB record in terms of being hit by a pitch. Buck never got ejected once, once last year, just by happenstance. That should happen. And you guys are being drilled and you literally set an MLB record and he's not getting ejected once. And winning takes care of a lot of things. I get that. And he's been tossed a couple times this year. Um, but you could just see that, you know, he never talks down on any of his players. You know, he we're proud this and we're just had nothing, you know, to uh, the, the Royals or whatever. Um, Buck is a 500 career manager who has never sniffed the World Series, gone anywhere in the LCS. Every team he leaves, they do well after him. I see no fire from him. I understand he's a very smart, intelligent, encyclopedia, baseball guru. Players love playing for him, which is a really big thing. I get that. But at a certain point, you know, it starts from your manager. And I'm not saying go throw a chair, punch a water cooler, but you got to protect your players. You got to show fire yourself. Cause I haven't seen that from his tenure as a Met. So I will now segue to your thoughts on Buck and, you know, you played for Bobby Valentine who had a lot of fire, you know? So what are your, what is your thoughts on Buck? Um, I, I, I hate to say this, but I, I do kind of agree with you uh, on quite a bit of that. Uh, I hate to disrespect uh, Buck Showalter. You know, he's been a, he's been a baseball man for for a very long time. Uh, I often wonder, is he biting his tongue uh, and just rolling with the punches a little bit? Because, and look, I was a wild child and all that, but I think that the different colored belts, the different colored spikes, and it's not just one player, it's many players, the different gloves every night, the different, and I'm not picking on Lindor because Alonzo's guilty of it. Uh, the guys that are wearing cleats that have nothing to do with the colors of the uniform. These are all things that I know Buck Showalter would not have st stood for. And not just when he was um, uh, the Yankees manager, where you, you don't see these kinds of things at all with that organization. So it makes me wonder how much he's had to bite his tongue or change his approach to how things were done in the past to, to, to deal with the, the quote unquote new baseball player. Um, it seems sometimes a little bit like maybe the, <laughs> the the inmates are running the asylum a little bit. I don't know. I mean, I'm not behind closed doors there, but I just know that I would suspect a little bit more fire. Uh, I would think that I know when I played, if, if our guys were getting drilled 
and the pitchers weren't doing something about it, there was going to be some animosity between the the position players and the pitch and the pitching staff. Uh, and you never want that kind of stuff going on. So maybe that, maybe that is an issue uh, in the clubhouse that's not talked about, but um, I, I would like to see some more fire. I would like to see some more getting on guys that need to be got on a little bit. Now behind closed doors, you could be picking them up in that or, whatever it may be, or, or leave me. who knows, maybe behind closed doors, he is getting on them. But uh, I don't, I don't believe that to be true. Uh, I hate to say that you got to fire a manager because you never want to see that happen. But um, something just doesn't seem right. And I brought it up in, in on Twitter the other night with the, the warming up prior to the game. I've been to three games in the past two years and only one guy is out there on the field prior to the game starting. And I know in my day, and even I, I'm, because I know that the, I was there for watch the Rockies play in May and their whole team was out there warming up, doing their sprints, doing their stretching, playing their catch after batting practice. And the Mets, I didn't see them other than one guy until the smoke started coming out of the dugout because some reason we need smoke to come out of the dugout before we run out onto the field. I think in, in 20 years ago, <laughs> uh, Buck Showalter would have told you where to put that smoke. You know what I'm saying? So I think maybe his hands are tied a little bit that the show has to be something that it's not, you know, baseball used to be good enough when the guys ran out of the dugout, you didn't need smoke or it's not a concert or, or whatever, you know, it's, it's a baseball game. I was very taken aback by the, uh, the guys not being out on the line and warming up. What are they doing in the clubhouse? The, the game's played on the field. So I don't know if Buck doesn't have a say in that, you know, and this is the way it's going to be, or if he's just decided this is the way it's going to be and I don't have a problem with it. So it's very, that's kind of a strange, strange thing there to me, you know, so there's obviously a disconnect somewhere. Um, I'm not going to say Buck Showalter needs to be fired, but yeah. obviously some things need to, be, things need to change with the, with the, with the approach. I mean, how many games do they come out and they're down right away? We're down. I mean, I remember earlier in the year, they were talking about how many consecutive games in a, in a row they'd given yeah. up runs in the first inning. Well, surprise, surprise, you know, nobody's yeah. ready to play. What are they doing? What are they doing in the clubhouse? I know they have the training room, the weight room. They have all these things, but you're not you're not running. You're not doing high knees. You're not doing backpedal. You're not playing catch with your buddy. And now I, I had some guy tell me that they rarely even take batting practice on the field. So when are we taking ground balls? When are we taking fly balls? When are we doing the things that they've been doing in baseball for 150 years? When is that stuff happening? On a semi-daily basis? Baseball is an everyday grind. You get out there and you do your certain things every single day, and that's what you do. Baseball is repetition. Baseball is we do things over and over and over and over and over the same way. And if it's not working and we make a tweak to it, and then we continue to do that. So something something isn't isn't meshing correctly. And I don't know if it's because he's not allowed to say anything and the analytics have really taken over or if this he's just changed. But something's different. Something's changed. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot behind closed doors that we just don't know. You know, so maybe – what we see on television, you know, it doesn't make the whole story, you know, but I can only, and you can only go by what we see, obviously. Uh, and I'm just going off about, about what I see. Uh, and obviously in 2022 winning takes care of a lot of different things, but I've saw it last year. Buck was losing games for the Mets, but they're the, the, the energy that they had, you know, was helping. They would come back. They wouldn't games. You know, Buck doesn't know how to manage a bullpen. Sorry, I said it. Buck can't manage a bullpen. I'm not saying anything about that. I, I'm just – I'll say and, this. And, and if I'll you don't that, have any comment on that, that's 
I yeah, don't. Yeah, I, I didn't don't, think I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go that far to step on that man's toes. He's obviously managed a lot more baseball games than I have. We all have our thoughts. Uh, I will say this about the guys not going out on the field. If that was something that started last year, over time, the more time you get to yourself to be complacent, the more complacent you're going to become. So if that is the case, that they're not taking batting practice on a regular basis, maybe guys were more inclined to do a little bit more prior to games last year. And as it gets more and more games away from us doing certain things, maybe we're more easy to go, you know what, I'm going to sit around in my chair for just a little bit longer before I go out there and or do whatever it is, go to the weight room, go to the trainer's room, whatever it may be. Cause I don't know what they have underneath the stadium. Now I know they don't have another field underneath the stadium, so they're not going and taking ground balls or playing catch, but I would say maybe over time, the complacency. And I was told that the analytics guys came up with this idea. Uh, that's, that's a bad idea to follow. I think that's, that's just not how baseball's. And like I said, the more time you have your own devices, the more time you're going to say, you know what, I can sit here and have one more, coca-cola i can have make another sandwich you know next thing you know it's it's 7 15 and i haven't done anything or it's 6 50 and i haven't done anything and the game's about to start and if buck's not and they're police in the clubhouse which i'm sure he isn't and you know who knows who knows what's going on yeah yeah we don't all we know is that they don't show up in the first inning like you said and i think there's a reason for it you know uh but we don't know exactly what's going on (laughs) Yep, in the clubhouse right before the game starts. So we'll leave it at that. Uh, we'll leave. We'll end the uh, episode number two of this uh, Shea Hello podcast uh, on on this question for Bill Pulsifer. People want to know uh, what are you up to these days? You know, uh, nineteen years professionally pitching. Obviously, you know, six years in the bigs. Uh, what have you been up to? What are you up to? You know, this days, uh, these days with your family. I know you got uh, some sports uh, DNA that has done pretty well. Uh, just tell us what you want to tell us about. You know, life as Bill Pulsifer for now as a uh, retired professional baseball player. Well, I played. Uh, I played until 2011. Um, I was playing in Taiwan. I was playing in Mexico. I played in uh, the Atlantic League. Um, up until 2011, and then I retired <laughs> unceremoniously, obviously. Um, but then I, uh, my my brother-in-law, uh, he was in the road construction field and uh, got me got me a job over there with him. And over the years, I've uh, worked my way into. I'm now a traffic control supervisor, which I'm the guy out there that's ruining your traffic out on Long Island. Um, setting lane closures up uh, for the company that I work for. <laughs> Thanks. And, Thank uh, you. Yeah, you're welcome. You're welcome. I try to do it as, as, as good as possible to try to keep everybody moving, you know, and, uh, but I've been doing that for years now. Um, I also give pitching lessons, you know, in the fall and winter time, a little bit in the summer, but the summertime, it's a little bit difficult because when the guys are, are pitching on a weekly basis, there's not a lot of lessons going on, but I give, I give pitching lessons um, out on Long Island Um I have my wife, Michelle, my son, Liam and Layton. Uh, um, Liam just graduated from college. He went to Queens College and played baseball there. And um, he's looking to try to, to continue his career a little bit. Um, he's, uh, he's got some work to do. He's working on it. My youngest is uh, he's supposed to be at Central Connecticut State playing baseball, but he's had a lot of injury issues. And uh, unfortunately, I'm not sure he's going to be able to continue his path in baseball which is, is killing me, but, uh, cause he was very, very talented, very talented ball player too. 
But uh, they both got to win state titles uh, coming up through high school, which was cool. Something I never got to do. But um, just uh, living the living the life of a Long Islander, and uh, you know, making traffic for people and uh, living the dream. Man, they say nightmares are dreams too. So sometimes it's <laughs> their good dreams, and sometimes they're bad dreams. But living the dream. We're all caught up on uh, what he's doing now. Uh, sounds good to me. Just keep the the traffic the traffic moving, my friend. That's all we ask. <laughs> that's the, that's um, the, hey, if, I, I will say this: pay attention to the big orange signs that are on the side of the road as you're driving up to a a, a, a traffic uh, you know a detour. It will help you because if yep. you're gonna if if I got a right lane closed and you're riding that right lane all the way up, they start a mile back. They'll let you know where to go. <laughs> We can all help each other out. Go ahead and get over as soon as you see those signs. Pay attention to those signs. I know a lot of people don't listen, don't look at them, or don't pay attention to them, but I definitely think that that can can help the traffic move. Obviously, there's a lot of people in New York, a lot of people in Long Island, so anytime you're taking lanes out, it's going to ruin somebody's day for a little bit. But uh, the more we can pay attention to the signs that are out there, the more that you can get over early enough, and you can uh, hopefully not be that guy that's getting over right at the end, getting honked at or yelling and and cussing at each other. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well here on the say hello podcast you get all baseball nets and and now tips on how to avoid traffic jams. how to avoid so traffic you exactly get it all it's Who not a bad combination episode three <laughs> i think the traffic uh updates uh is a good way to uh put a bow on episode two of the say hello podcast i want to thank my co-host, Bill Pulsifer, for joining us today. Um, and for everybody watching on YouTube, uh, please subscribe at Shay Hello Media on YouTube. And, of course, wherever you get your podcasts, uh, that's where we'll be, on Apple, Spotify. Um, and, of course, follow us on Instagram at Shay Hello Media, TikTok, Shay Hello Media. And, of course, Twitter at Shay underscore hello. Um, I had fun, Bill. Um, until next time, we'll see what happens here in the next week with the Mets. But uh, it is it's definitely been a uh, a good start to the podcast adventure here on Shay Hello. And uh, now I'm going to go right down. So I tip you there just a little bit at the end. But I appreciate it. Thanks for uh, for 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 doing this. Let's. Uh... Hopefully okay. we can continue uh, having some good discussions and hopefully the Mets play well this week because I think it's very important for them to, to play well the rest of the season because you want to go into uh, you want to go into the winter with a good taste in your mouth and hopeful, hopeful of what uh, things to come come next year as well. Absolutely agree. So on that note, uh, thanks again to Bill, uh, co-host of Shea Hello, the Shea Hello uh, podcast. I hope everybody enjoyed it. Have a great rest of your day, everybody. Don't forget to subscribe and follow us wherever you get your podcasts. And once again, thanks for watching or listening or both. And once again, have a great rest of your day. Thank you.